Welcome to On The Spot for this week. My name is Kevin Hill, here with the one and only JP Hampstead, and we're going to talk about what the freight markets are doing. Yep. Um, so it's it's a cold day uh, in Tennessee. It's not as cold as it could be, right? It's, it's, you it's know, not it's like as cold as freight markets. 40s? Right, yeah. So we can talk about that. Um, I mean, honestly, we're kind of getting what I would, I would consider like tepid growth in, in national freight markets. So um, OTVIY or kind of uh, outbound contracted truckload volumes year over year are up about 1.3% compared to this time last year. Um, OTV, uh, uh, OTRI, so capacity tightness or outbound tender rejections, have settled into kind of a groove around 5.5%, which is not as bad as it could be, but it's not enough to be supportive of spot rates. So we're still seeing spot rates kind of slide down, down into kind of the upper 130s, which is around the operating costs oh, for yeah. most truckload carriers. So, um, you know, not great. Uh, volumes aren't bad. Uh, I guess in terms of major markets, it looks like LA has started finally to turn the corner um, it, around its uh, pre-Chinese New Year peak, and now we're seeing degradation in volumes there. We expect LA volumes to drop, drop off sharply next week. We're still seeing some good performance in other major markets like Atlanta and Elizabeth, New Jersey, which is sort of connected to the ports of New York and New Jersey. Both, of the, both Atlanta and Elizabeth um, have seen a, kind of some gaining momentum um, this past week or so. So that, that's kind of a bright spot. Um, and that's kind of the macro picture. But wh- what are we kind of worried about going into next week and the week after that, Kevin? I, I think it's probably imports and exports. So, so basically, you have the coronavirus. Right. Uh, you guys wrote a report this week that you can find on FreightWaves.com. It's a free passport research report. on the coronavirus and from both of our sources what we're hearing is that this is this is going to be an issue especially until april where you might see some bottlenecks because trade i won't say was effectively halted from from china but but pretty close you know you have the the other trade patterns from other countries but you have a lot of disruption from the coronavirus uh things goods leaving uh, China, Correct. things entering yeah. uh, on the docks. I, I think we talked to a CB, CNBC commentator that told us non-government data that most of the interbundle ports in China are running five to ten percent capacity. Wow. The, the, the biggest one or the, the one running at the most capacity is about thirty percent. Wow. So you have this bottleneck that's setting the stage for April Mayage to come in during produce season. Correct. And, you know, we've heard some That's other trucking co- companies or trucking executives talk about this bottleneck as well, right? Yeah, so the issue here is that the coronavirus, coronavirus outbreak in China has um, dampened industrial production and manufacturing activity in China. It's prevented uh, the ports from operating correctly. There are even issues with the crews of container ships that don't want to sort of disembark in China or deal with Chinese workers out of a fear of the virus. Um, There's no real way for a container ship to load and unload in a port without the crew interacting with, uh, you know, stevedores or longshoremen, you know, lashing containers, filling out paperwork, discussing things in the office. All that has to take place. And so that's another sort of issue. But on the flip side of that, the American consumer has not stopped spending. 
And so there is a demand for goods that will have to be made up at some point. And that's what, Kevin, you're kind of talking about that with the bottleneck. There's going to be pent-up demand mm -hmm. that is going to have to be brought on onto shore in an accelerated way, potentially around the same time as produce starts in, say, Mexico, Florida, South, uh, Southern California. And that, uh, and and what I was talking about earlier is just the the finished goods that are ready to be shipped right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, things for spring that right, will probably right, arrive right. late, which will need to be expedited. So, right. you're, you're looking probably at a bump up of rates, especially in the western U.S. Uh, going into April, May produce season, Easter, right. the other spring seasons, and then you have the, the orders that need to be placed in April, Mayish to meet the Christmas coming forward, right? So I was talking about the ports being understaffed. Well, manufacturing facilities in China are also grossly understaffed. Correct. You know, coming out of the Chinese New Year. Um, but but those levels are, are still very minimal, and you're going to see a lot of jockeying uh, for slip space in, in manufacturing. So everyone's going to be trying to get up in the pecking order That's right. to get their goods manufactured in the, the top slots. Right. Instead um, of the, the bottom, and that's going to create probably another bottleneck later in the year. And if you read um, Chinese uh, government-owned media like the South China Morning Post and things like that, they're trying to put a brave face on things, insisting that China is getting back to work. But anecdotally, we've heard that's not ha hasn't really been the case. Earlier this week, um, workers at Foxconn, the, the large electronics manufacturer that makes iPhones and other things, all those workers were, were supposed to return to their jobs only about 10% actually did, which is effectively zero because you can't really run a factory mm -hmm. with 10% of your workforce. So, um, you know, it's, I think that people are, are, aren't, aren't traveling. They're not allowed to travel. It's very difficult. They're afraid. They don't want to necessarily gather in the large spaces with tons of other people. Um, it's risky for health reasons. All of those factors are setting up, I think in the, in the sort of midterm outlook or the, you know, the second half outlook, kind of that mid-year thing, there could be something interesting happening in the markets. But near term, we're looking at a Chinese New Year trough that's going to be deeper and last longer than the typical, uh, than the effect would be in a typical year. Um, the data that we've seen, Kevin, suggested that up to 50% more sailings of container ships are being canceled due to the Chinese New Year. So mm -hmm. normally the um, container container lines adjust capacity on the Trans-Pacific trade lanes during the Chinese New Year, um, but this time it's they're cutting deeper, and you know that every week they keep you know they keep uh, cutting the scheduling sailings further and further out. So I don't really know when that's going to end, honestly. Um, it, no one knows. It's really. hard to get I a mean, handle on. Hard. And, and this, we're assuming that this, the, the virus and the, the contagion or, yeah. um, is limited right now. Right. If, it, if it breaks out a little bit more, then we're going to have to push those deadlines even further out. Right. So that's, that's kind of what we're looking at on freight shipments, mostly, you know, both internationally and domestically. In the near term, um, I know down in Stiefel, down in Miami, a lot of trucking company executives uh, gathered down there around right. Valentine's week. Jeffries as well. Uh, Jeffries as well. 
and talk about their expectations to the market. And right. everyone's pretty positive about the second half recovery. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, JP? Um, yeah, that. So we we also so not only at Steve and Jeffries, but we also analyzed 25 different transportation companies' earnings call transcripts, looking to kind of get a synthesis of management mm-hmm. commentary, both on the macroeconomic outlook and on sort of their own corporate strategies, you know, what they're going to do, what kind of growth they're going to try to pursue, that kind of thing. And one of the clear messages that came out from the truckload carriers, as you said, was that it's going to be better in the second half. We're going to have a more positive second half. Now, you know, I think the main sort of data point that they're clinging to here is just the constant drumbeat in the news of carrier exits from the market, saying that, okay, capacity is leaving the market at a certain point that will inflect, that will tighten markets up, that will send rates up, things will be more constructive. The problem is that to base your your whole outlook on capacity leaving is risky because measuring sort of absolute capacity or the true number of trucks available for dispatch is one of the hardest things to gauge in the trucking industry. So I almost kind of think that what they're really relying on is they're just sort of calling the timing of the cycle. They're kind of saying, okay, halfway through 2020, that'll be an 18-month trough. It'll be time for it to go up. We don't. I don't really think there's any data supporting, like, you know, a second half rebound. I just think that like, people Other people want not. it to happen. It's, it's it's like a lot of things in equities markets, right? It's yeah. like if it's good for me, I think it'll happen. Yeah, and and that's something my group did. Uh, we looked at public uh, freight brokers yeah. or three PLs and kind of their results over the last uh, over the last quarter. Actually, the last three quarters. Uh, we updated it for this quarter, year over year, depending on their earnings. And what we saw is a lengthening of the down cycle, Interesting. where contract prices are, are lowering, spot rates are, are pretty level. Right. Um, but but going forward, you know, spot rates are going to, to rise as contract uh, continues to, to to drop, and it's about a six month lag on contract prices. Elevating, so there's right. there's another six months. So the months brokers are of, definitely not out of the woods yet. But they're not out of the woods whatsoever. Uh, on the flip side of that, full truckload carriers are about one phase in the cycle uh, earlier than the, the the brokers are, right? Yeah, so yeah, so yeah. they're still seeing contract uh, pricing decrease as it rolls over. But as soon as the spot prices come up, then they're going to be able to right. hopefully to move kind of some assets a, over, talk mm-hmm. to their customers, re-rate yeah. those contracts, et cetera, et cetera. Um, on, the, on the railroad side, management was a lot more conservative. Um, I think partially because they sort of, or most of them, accepting, I think, the Canadian rails have oriented their strategy around, you know, uh, cutting operating ratio, becoming more efficient, dropping more revenue to the bottom line. So that are really, they haven't been optimizing for growth. And, and so they can kind of get away with a sort of a bearish economic outlook because they're, they're kind of saying, don't expect this to grow. Uh, it's yeah, out yeah. of our hands. The, the, their earnings increase all through 2019 as rail volumes decreased. Right. Yeah. So they have uh, they many care. more levers to, to pull than, right. than full truckload right. carriers. And their monopolies. Um, yeah. So, you know, uh, uh, CSX, Union Pacific were both um, said, you know, uh, their customers needed uh, to gain more confidence in terms of capital expenditures and taking risks and spending more money. Um, 
uh, CSX uh, CEO Jim Foote said that didn't see any reason for an uptick in industrial activity this year. So it's going to be pretty cool. Um, but I kind of liked what the CEO of Canadian National, J.J. Roost, said. He said, you know, he was kind of citing some pretty impressive figures uh, from Canadian National. They basically doubled their revenue over the past decade, which is difficult for a 100-year-old organization to do. Um, and he said, we didn't wait for the economy to bring us freight, meaning they went out and sold aggressively. They improved their service. They talked to their customers. They adjusted their pricing. They invested in the assets they would need to grow. And you know that's kind of the Canadian Rails have been through PSR. They've 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 kind of squeezed the juice out of the lemon, and now they're ready to take advantage of that operating leverage and really you know make it work for them. Um, it it doesn't seem like the U.S. Rails are kind of in that position yet. But I think what's what's kind of interesting is just you know. They, the, the industrial side for them is like, it, it, it's going to be risk off this year. Like, like they don't think their customers are going to spend a lot of money. Retail, which is more more trucking in a way, you know, we'll see how that holds up. So, so you guys did, uh, you guys published it today in, in Passport, yeah, which yeah. is a, a subscription service that, that Freightways has that has both of our in-depth research in our teams. And you looked at the whole transportation space yeah, yeah. on earnings, Fourth right. quarter of 2018 to fourth quarter of 2019. Right. What did you find? Um, it was it was really interesting. It was a very very tough quarter. So we we across the 25 transportation companies that we looked at, EPS was down year over year by an average of 42 percent, which is you know astounding. Honestly, so that is um, LTL. You look at any other industry and you you'd never find that almost. Oh, right? Yeah. No, it's, it's I deeply mean, cyclical. Yeah, it's, it's like it's it's like uh, energy or something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, LTL had the worst earnings, um, down like eighty percent. And if you look at like the unionized LTL carriers, like ArcBest and YRC, they were even more challenged. SIA was really the one that uh, the smallest publicly traded LTL carrier that was able to grow revenue. Um, for it was kind of interesting. So LTL was sort of the worst performing. Railroads were the best performing. Interestingly, and I, I think this kind of speaks mm-hmm. to the um, difficulties that brokers were facing that you mentioned earlier, Kevin, truckload carriers and brokerages kind of performed about the same. Um, there were different bright spots. You could kind of see different companies pursuing different sort of strategies. Like Martin, for example, was able to grow revenue and limit EPS uh, declines. Um, Hunt was one of the very few brokerages that grew revenue in the fourth quarter of 2019. They paid for it with gross margin. Landstar expanded margins. Revenue fell by 21%. So it was, it was like you could definitely see how people were trying to navigate this market and pull these different levers. Um, it's a fascinating report. Uh, it's, you know, freightwaves.com slash passport. Mm-hmm. You can find it there. Sign up, you know, sign up for Passport if you want to see more. Yeah, sign more up for, for Passport. Definitely. You get uh, both of our research groups yeah. research plus live event tickets. Uh, Again, freightwaves.com slash passport.